This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, we're going to be getting to the round three recapper soon. But first, I'd like to talk about sleep with you. As a former college football player in the last four years, I haven't been getting that much good sleep. So when I see these studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins that say chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease, I really realize that we all need eight hours of sleep. One of sleep's biggest problems is temperature. It's tough to get good sleep if you're too hot. So I want to tell you about Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was, de- it was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits night by night and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool and your par- partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time. Nobody is uncomfortable in a crazy comfortable bed. Sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world the next day. Try the pod for 100 full nights, and if you don't love it, they will refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup to your destination. They have already sold out their first two batches of the pod, so they are going fast. Get on it soon. For a limited time, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com pro. That is E-I-G-H-T sleep.com pro. One more time if you missed it, 8sleep.com pro. Thank you for listening to the FCS Podcast with your hosts, Joe DeLeon and Sean Anderson. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, do you believe? listening to the FCS Football Podcast presented to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Sean Anderson, as always, giving you the latest in FCS football news and scores and games. We are the most entertaining and best analysis for FCS football you can get out there on the podcast market. We had a defensive bout that occurred in all four games of week Sorry, round three of the FCS football yeah, playoffs in the I tournament. <laughs> that's what I thought, Delio. What do you mean that's what I thought? No, it's, it's, okay. Oh, because it was giving you a hard time because it took you three tries to do a read? Is okay, that why? Yeah, but I said week three. Now you open up the show with the big time. Now you're saying week three, too. I meant to say round three. But we had multiple defensive games, which we're going to be getting to. But this is our last time recording together in person for probably a very long time. Sean is leaving us for good. Can't wait. Can't. What do you mean you can't wait? Can't wait. No, I am, uh, yeah, no, I'm going home. You're going home? Yeah, I'm going home. Sean's semester is done. His college degree is done. Did you, are, wait, are you getting your degree? Is that, that when, or did you figure out if they're sending that to you or not? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'll be getting it. Uh, I don't know how soon I will be getting it, but I will 
have it completed. I needed 14 credits this semester. I've completed 14 credits okay. this semester. So you never heard if you if you submitted all your paperwork too late. No, no, I, it was late. <laughs> it was definitely late. But I'm not the only person that's ever submitted it late. That's true. So it, what is plan switch? You think you're going to go for five? You end up going for three and a half. That's a pretty big. Uh, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> yeah, when I'm talking to the, when I'm talking to the dean, he's like, oh, well, that's kind of. I guess you had to make a big transition at the crossroads there. I said, yeah, I sure did, sir. (laughs) So we have a big transition to hit here because we've got a lot of games to cover. Only four, though. A lot of big games to cover. We got a lot to dive into here because these games were unexpected. It's not what you really would have been anticipating. I don't think either of us would have guessed. We, I believe we both only picked two of these, right? We'll have to see how it sounds when we do the Wednesday show. But still, only about two of these games really made sense what people anticipated. All of them were close. Austin P. Montana State was the, the, the biggest one, and that was a 14-point game. The first game we're going to dive into is JMU Northern Iowa, 17 to nothing in favor of the Dukes. This was, like all of them, a defensive fight. JMU was leading 10 to nothing. Right before the half, John Daka strips McElvain on the 30-yard line. JMU, though, however, cannot capitalize with a missed field goal. Radke had a very tough day as he missed two on the game. Not strong special teams effort from the JMU Dukes. JMU looks like they're back on track, though, in the third quarter as they're starting to move the ball. However, at defensive stop and then with a defensive stop, and then they're marching into the red zone. However, as they're getting close to scoring, Ben DiNucci throws an awful interception to Xavier Williams. Bad footing, throws the ball across his body. That gives the ball right back to you and I. All of the last hope for you and I, because they weren't able to move the ball the rest of this game, comes on a huge fourth and two with the clock ticking with about two minutes left in the game. Then he takes a huge sack by JMU's Mike Green. That ends it. Obase with the dagger touchdown, 17 to nothing. Key stat line, you and I, rushes, for zero yards. Well, that's with the sacks added into the rushing touchdown. Th- that is still, but still, they were not able to move the ball at all on the ground. And that really hurt the offense because McIlvain could not move the ball through the air. Yeah, in this game, I picked you and I, actually. And for some reason, I'm still kind of proud that I picked you and I. Uh, <laughs> no, they really swarm like crazy on defense. And you could tell in the game that JMU had the structure and the talent and the physical specimens to go into the third round of the playoffs and, and win a game. But you and I clearly had the desire and the toughness to be out there and hang with them the entire game. I mean, there was never a point where you're like, okay, I couldn't see you and I coming back from this. So it was always, even with a pick in the end zone, Ben don't break and they, you get the ball back and that's how it works. And you and I just showed a lot of really good fight in this game, but JMU had the specimens to get through. And you and I, they off, they lost a starting offensive lineman within the first quarter, which hurt them, especially against a defensive line like that. But at the end of the day, JMU had too many different weapons on offense, and you, you just you and I can't stop that many weapons. And you and I didn't have enough weapons on their offense to get past that JMU defense, which is what you need to do. And now JMU is going to face somebody that has the weapons, and it's going to be dangerous for them because. You and I gave a blueprint of how to play JMU, which is tough and tough and tough. And that's that's what they are. I think they, they were probably probably the toughest team out of these these four. Not the most talented, but the toughest. So I have a similar take for this as I do with 
Illinois State and North Dakota State. And I think people were saying, we do have some Kwame's corner questions that are related to this, saying that they think that North Dakota State and JMU looked vulnerable in these games. But I look at this as you were playing them close the whole game. It was a 10 nothing game. Yeah. I don't think this is JMU being vulnerable. I think this is the fact that you and I failed to capitalize. You know, you give them credit for hanging in with a good football team, but I put the onus on them because their defense came out to play. Their defense slowed down JMU, which we have not seen a team really do this year. I would say the only game that they, they didn't really have much offensive output was West Virginia, and that's a Big 12 team. So the fact that you and I was in this game and they played so well defensively and they punched them in the face and they forced turnovers and they kept stopping them in the red zone and forcing them to miss field goals. Not forcing them, but putting them in positions where they missed field goals. Can I say, you and I also had a couple turnovers that, that they probably did. weren't turnovers. Like mm-hmm. the um, the one running back who did the spin move fumbled on the uh, uh, on his first play in the last three weeks. Uh, his elbow was down. And then on the first play of the game... Uh, you and I fumbled again, and it looked like his elbow was down also. So he, you and I, from what I was listening to from the you and I broadcasters also, they were saying some of the calls didn't go in favor of you and I, and it was in question, but that's how the game is played also. And I don't think JMU is susceptible, mm-hmm. or you're seeing that they're susceptible, because if you're saying that, then you don't respect you and I and how they played. Yeah. I don't think this is, again, a case of them being vulnerable. I don't think it's JMU being vulnerable. I think you and I played well, but not well enough. You and I was good enough to beat JMU. But McIlvain and that offense proved that they were not good enough. Maybe if they had Briley Moore, maybe if they had a fully healthy offense, they would have been able to do so. The defense was good enough. You hold that team mm-hmm. to 17 points and 10 for most of the game, what else can you ask for? That really is the, the deciding factor in these playoff games is who is the most healthy, who has all of their healthy starters out there. And you and I did not, and the coaching was not able to prepare them to be shorthanded. And the same thing happened to Illinois State, which we're going to be finishing our last game off. Next game we're going to get into was another hard-fought defensive battle. Weber State playing Montana. Weber State winning 17-10. to This game was a bit unexpected for a number of reasons, but I think a lot of us assumed because Montana put up 73 points last week, they were going to come out firing on all cylinders we thought they were the... And at least put up 30 points. Yeah, we... At 10 points? 10. Mm. At least 20 points, but they I, only put up 10. This game, in the snow, in Utah, it looked like a winter wonderland, but both these teams, as we know from where they're from, they're used to a little cold weather, they're used to a little snow, but maybe maybe not Dalton Sneed. First score of the game, Sneed to Colin Bingham with a three tight end look. They had two on the right side as they shifted over, and then they also had another lined up in the backfield at a you know fullback offset fullback spot. They had all of the... Do you remember the play I'm talking about? Yes. They had such a heavy... Was he not really I'm like... I'm just trying to... It's not, it he wasn't was in the, a, it he wasn't was a in the wishbone, backfield. but it could have been. What? It wasn't like a wishbone. No, it wasn't, but he was... There were two tight ends to the right side of the line of scrimmage. They had um, Knight lined up behind Snead, and then they had a tight end to the right of over and to the right and a couple yards up in the in between yeah. um, Snead and Knight. So they had this heavy look of all these tight ends. Makes it look like they're going to run the ball. They end up deciding to throw it. Bingham with the great catch. That gives Montana the first score of the game and also a 7-0 lead. Josh Davis then takes a dump off, to the, dump off pass to the house in the third after two of Dal- Dalton Snead's picks. We're going to get to those picks in a second. 
after those two interceptions, Josh Davis, though, gets the touchdown. And according to Kenneth Ritchie, who, who reached out to us via DM, acknowledged that I believe this is the play that he was referring to, that yeah, Josh was. Davis was banged up this whole game. He was not 100% healthy. He was not able to play at full capacity. Something wrong with his leg as he was limping. But he hopped right in there because they needed someone to go in, and he sprinted onto the field, caught that touchdown, ended up scoring on that play, and he didn't really do much after that because I'm sure they're trying to keep him as healthy as possible, and they didn't want to force him to do anything serious to whatever was wrong with him. So miscues on field goal, a bad snap that sails right through the hands of Montana's holder, and then also another missed one, keeps them from scoring six more points. Finally, though, with this game tight, we have a blocked punt by Weber State. That's how they beat you. They beat you with good special teams play. They beat you with good defense. Blocked punt for a touchdown. That gives you the 17-point total for Weber State. Fifth pick by Snead with two minutes left on an attempted comeback. Essentially ends this game. Montana was not able to move the ball. Montana was actually picking up first downs, not consistently, but they were able to do it. But the big key storyline here, six sacks and five interception by Weber State's defense. It was suffocation. There was no breathing. No. We, I mean, th- it, that it could have been our resort. fast. What? What'd you say? It was their last resort. It was their, okay. <laughs> we could have picked that as one of our fat stats by how crazy of a defensive performance they had. Yeah. That, that's a ton of turnovers and that's a ton of sacks. There's no way you can turn the ball over five times. And that's, I mean, wait, this, this guy is blue. That's basically what I just said. Weber State's defense showed up. I mean, that was an incredible performance by them. I mean, it, there was pressure, there was rain, and they could have slipped at any time. They could have uh, missed a coverage at any time, but they didn't. They were sharp the entire game. They were on top of it the entire game. They were focused. They were locked in. And they, after the first two turnovers, they're like, okay, we got them. They they said, we got you. And you are not going to win this game no matter what. And after that, you're like, yeah, Montana's not going to win this game. You just you just knew Montana wasn't going to win the game. And the block punt was phenomenal. But for Montana, I mean, wide, rec- wide receivers couldn't really run sharp routes. And uh, what I saw from Weber State, they did more like seams. So it was just easier to, to slip by seams or posts and – Get, get down the field instead of having to run horizontally or do a whole bunch of double moves in the rain and snow. And Sneed couldn't do anything. <laughs> I hate the note I put in there. Sneed was just shut down <laughs> uh, immediately. And it was – um. you like that? It's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. But uh, the Weber State's defense, you, they were better than Sneed was bad. Because that, that that's just that should be the story of the game. Because everyone's going to be blaming Snead, and if you're a Montana fan, you probably are too. But you need to realize that Weber State's defense was really like the star of the game. They were better than how bad he was. Yeah, it seems like a total flip from what we saw from Snead last week because he lit up Southeast Louisiana, and then suddenly he throws five interceptions. And I, again, I think some of those errors you put on him, but at the same time. You put that on Weber State's incredible secondary and how good they are defensively. And essentially what we learned from this game is that past two weeks they haven't had domineering offensive outputs. And they don't need that. Weber State plays to the identity of, we'll run the ball. If Constantine needs to pick up a first down, he will. If he only throws for 100 yards, it's not a big deal. We got a couple of big running backs besides Josh Davis. If he's not healthy, we will run it down your throat. 
We will fight you. And then once you get the ball on defense, we're going to turn the ball over. We're going to sack you. We're going to make your life a living hell, and you're not going to be able to throw the ball. You better run it on every down because you are not going to be able to move the ball through the air. And what essentially created this final score was not the fact that Weber State was able to move the ball and score 17 of their own points. What set them up constantly was the fact that they kept picking off Dalton Sneed and putting them with a short field, making it easy to score. Right. And then finally, the cap, the, the big cap on this, which epitomizes the whole game, was a special team touchdown on a block punt. And on the interceptions, it wasn't like they were uh, tip drill interceptions or a dropped pass. It was the defensive backs being exactly where they needed to be and making the right plays. There was not, it wasn't the fault of the Montana receivers. It was how well the Weber State defensive backs played. All these games are exciting. We have two more exciting games to get to, but you know what else is exciting? Lamar Jackson's performance so far this season has also been extremely exciting because he has proven to be one of the best players in the NFL two straight years when we had a sophomore sensation standing up. Lamar Jackson redefining what it means to be a dual threat quarterback, recently breaking Michael Vick's rushing record for a quarterback going over 1,000 yards, and he still has two games left to do so. Odds on Jackson win the MVP race were originally 50-1 to at the very start of the season, and since then they've plummeted, making my bookie's prop selection more attractive than ever. Without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on any action related to this and also the final few weeks of the NFL season. If you want to bet on who we think is going to make the playoffs, who's going to win certain divisions that are still a toss-up like the NFC East. We don't know what's going to exactly happen with that. You can do that all on my bookie. The best place for you to go, like I said, my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to make a little bit, to bet a little bit and win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of teams to win, you can put that into a parlay and they're perfect way that let you bet on multiple games together for a much bigger payout. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. Also, if you join right now, my bookie, <laughs> my bookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to a thousand dollars. That means if you deposit two thousand, you get an extra one thousand in free money to play with. Now, I don't know if you'll actually put that much in, but still, it's a very enticing offer. You might as well put in as much as you can. All you have to do is use the promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. I'm telling anyone who has ears and likes betting, use the promo code BLV. Bet, win, get paid. On to the last two games we have here, Montana State, Austin P. This game was not as close, the least close game, but still a 14-point game. Montana State wins 24-10 to over Austin P, ending my streak of Austin P wins. If I were going to pick a game to not have them win. It should have been this one because I was doubting it. Isaiah Fonzi with the first long touchdown to open the game. He was bursting through tacklers. Nobody was able to take him down. Had a huge day, which we'll touch on later in a later segment. It looks close at half, 10-3. It's one score game. Montana State is leading 10-3. Craig then throws a pick to start the second half, and that sets up an Afonzi long run again that then puts in position for a Cassisa... Cassisis snag in the corner of the end zone. I definitely said that wrong. The eventual dagger, though. Big boy touchdown. Afonzi jump pass thrown to Scrempos, their defensive tackle. That is the essential dagger, but there's still a lot of game left to play. A deep ball throw from Javon Craig to Wilson is a little bit too late. That gives them their first touchdown of the game. It was pretty much all defense taking over for Montana State. 
the Montana State wasn't really able to move the ball as much on offense towards the end of this game. However, Austin P though, not really able to do enough. They were the whole rest of this game. They were trying to fight back and come back from their major mistakes. Javon Craig, 18 for 37, way too many passing attempts, 173 yards, one touchdown, and a disgusting two interceptions. No one rushed over 10 yards, and then they also had zero team rushing yards. Yeah, Craig looked flustered all day. Craig, uh, Montana State took them out of their rhythm what is that? early. What was he that was so to? used to playing at their own tempo all year. And that's what we saw. In the, in the games that they won, they were playing at their own tempo. And Montana State took control early and said, you are going to play to us. We are going to control the rhythm and the flow of this game. And Austin P. when they have that, they're great. Just because you didn't get my reference doesn't need you doesn't mean you oh, have to start. Just being shut up and talk. <laughs> Churlish. I don't get flustered when uh, when they have when you control, make emotions at me. <laughs> they're great, Austin P. But they don't have the superstars necessarily to get them out of a funk. Uh, and if they ever do get out of the funk, it is due to a big run uh, from one of their speedy running backs or Craig himself. But they didn't have that today. Montana State stepped up. And they said, we are going to take away all of your big play potential. We are not going to let you get into your groove. And that's what they did. They mixed it up. They pressured them. They got to the quarterback. It was a good, good day for Montana State. And Austin P just looked like they couldn't get it rolling ever. Yeah, and I put the onus on Javon Craig in saying that he needed to come out and show that he can play at an elite level in a big-time game. I didn't think Sacramento State was that real test. This was the real test, and he... He didn't prove that he couldn't do it, but it proved that Austin P can't move efficiently if they can't run the ball. So if you only have zero yards rushing and you're forced to throw the ball 37 times, that's not what's worked for Austin P this whole year. So Javon Craig not having a great day because he didn't have any support from his teammates. A lot of pressure ends up throwing two interceptions because he didn't have much to work with. Just a tough game, a, a tough way to lose for Austin P as they were so hoping to keep hanging around, and they were kind of hanging around for most of this game, but just could not stop Isaiah Fonzi, who I would argue is one of the most underrated running backs in the FCS. He just fights through contact. He's got that that elite-level leg churn you see from very good running backs that just pumping their legs aggressively hard that Roger unless Craig you S. actually wrap him up, he's not going to go down. On to our last game. And first, before we, we say anything, I just want to apologize that I said – in the preview show that Brady Davis was the starting quarterback for Illinois State. I failed to do proper fact-checking to make sure that he was still starting, and I did not know, thank you to um, Kwame for pointing this out, that he was hurt and they've been down the depth chart on quarterback. So I just want to apologize for making that mistake, though. That's why he's got the corner. Yes. That's why. You want, to know, you want to know how you get your corner? Masseroni? No, you know what? No, no, no. Don't, don't, That's why you don't get the corner. do that kind of Kwame, call action because do. everyone's just going to go out of their way to away. correct us. Add <laughs> Kwame. You keep us in check. That's why. That's why it's your corner. All right, so North Dakota State ends up winning a really close one, 9-3. to three. But if you watch this game, the whole game, I felt like North Dakota State was was dominating. They were beating them the whole game, but they just couldn't finish drives. Illinois State could not move the ball. They had a couple times where they moved it past the North North Dakota State uh, in into their territory, but really just not in favor of Illinois State. The score does not truly dictate who had the better day. James Robinson, 24 carries, 94 yards, going in line with what I said if 
You allow him to have a good day. You just have to wait for their their passing attack to not be able to move the ball at all. And exactly that is what happened. Freshman Bryce Jefferson, three for eight for 34 yards in an interception because they were so desperate to lean on their run game that it just they could not throw the ball. It's like Matt Moore. Yeah, those the, are like Matt Moore stats. Versus the this, the Steelers in the, in the uh, playoffs a couple years ago. Yeah. Remember that? Or Blake Bortles. Where he rushed Don't for call more... Jefferson Bortles. I made a good <laughs> analogy. You tried to one-up me. Okay. Come on now. North Dakota State <laughs> ends up having 263 yards. And the, and the one thing that I said I agree with in similarity with the UNI, JMU take here is that I understand that people are saying that they hung around and they should get some praise for that. But they, they lost this game because of their approach. I get it that you have one of the best running backs, but he could have had a better day than 24 carries for 94 yards if you didn't just try and run it, hand it to him on first, second, and third down. Every single play, you knew who it was going to until he came off the field and they handed it off to someone else. I get that you have a freshman quarterback in there, and I get that you have a guy that hasn't played that much that's in there at quarterback, but you have to do something different. You can't call that few passing plays. I just felt like I knew what was going to happen. And, I, you know, if, if you call enough running plays, they're going to pick up first downs here and there. But there's a reason why you weren't, weren't able to hit Pater. There's a reason why you weren't able to score any touchdowns. It was because you were so intent on getting the ball to James Robinson. It just it, it, it did nothing. Run a play action. Run an AK. They Run tried. It didn't work. So just, You got to do that. If, if, you can't just drop back on third and 12. If you if you got like second and eight, run a play action. First and ten, run a play action. Third like and short, a, run a play action, which they didn't do. Something. Eight pass plays is not enough to get creative with eight pass plays with your passing attack. And you're going up against North Dakota State. No one is going to ignore that fact. It, they're North Dakota State. And Illinois State, it, it was probably the most lopsided matchup that we had. And Illinois State's defense did their job. They held them to nine points, Joseph. Yeah. Nine. Three field goals. They didn't score a touchdown, dude. So what are we doing, Illinois State? Like, you know, why can't we get, why can't, why can't you just score a touchdown? Score one touchdown. Uh, I'm hoping, We've seen it. We've seen yeah. ugly games. We've been a part of them. But we haven't been a part of it like, like this. Mm-hmm. We've been on the other end of these ugly games. So it. Nine to three, you've got to find a way. Someone's got to have that ability to break it open. And it was just disappointing to know how close Illinois State really got. And obviously, you look at the game, you watch the whole game, you're like, ah, it was never really that close. But at the same time, it was close enough for you to say, okay, you could have won the game. I'm hoping Illinois State fans kind of agree with us on this, that the play calling really hindered them. If you're playing North Dakota State, one of the best defenses in the country, you need to get creative. Doing what you did in this game works against the first two opponents that they had in the playoff, which is why they were able to rush for so many yards with James Robinson as they were. But you got to get creative. You can't just go back to that. And if it starts to not work, make a halftime adjustment and try to find passing windows and opportunities. Throw some screens, some drag routes, some slants. Someone has to be open. And if they're not... I don't even know what you do with that. Do you point. not run a set of the pass? At least try. At least try. And they didn't. They refused to. They were stubborn and leaning on James Robinson the whole game. And I, I just, he's good. 
But no one can win win a game by running the ball as many times as they as they did compared to how, how many times they throw it. I know we said lean on him, and you look at it. How many rushes did he have? Twenty four carries. That's not an obscene amount. It's not. No. But it's obscene when you've only thrown the ball eight times. You need to be more balanced. That's like it, that's seventy five percent running. Yeah. Look at that quick math off the top of my look head. Look at you, man. If it's going to be ineffective, you have to be. If you if you're really that run heavy, go sixty forty or go fifty five forty five. It cannot be seventy five percent of the time you're gonna run the rock. That's just how the game works. It just that's a and like that's too what's the word sharp of a trend is what I would say. Uh, I'm not saying that the. Illinois State coaching staff and, and and Brock's back is you know they're they're bad coaches. I'm not saying that at all. I think they're good coaches, but when you don't make adjustments at halftime in offensive play calling, when you're not able to move the ball, that's just that is an example of bad coaching. And I'm not saying overall they've 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 done a great job for a long time, and they've done a good job this whole season. But they took a step backward in this game from their decision making. That's it for, for what recaps we have. And now we're going to go on to our favorite segment, Fat Stats. Now, we only had four games, so it was a little bit less to pick from. So I ended up stealing the first good one. Didn't give much Sean to, to choose from. That's I, fine. I, That's I, fine. I, I, I get th- it. That's fine. I threw mine out. Did you just burp in the mic? No. Oh, I couldn't. I thought you did. It was a, hmm. Oh, I, I, I can't hear no. you as well because we don't have any mic monitoring in this setup. So Isaiah Fonzie, though, is my pick. 26 for 196, one touchdown, and a passing touchdown to the big boy. Good day from him. Yeah, it was probably the fattest stat of this entire round, aside from uh, some of the defensive performances. Mm-hmm. For me, it was Percy Ajay Oise, 33 rushes, 124 yards, and a touchdown. Now, 33 rushes, more than James Robinson, but they were still more effective. I, I, I hate to keep on harping on that, but there's an example for you. All right, now we just want to touch upon the Walter Payton Award because it is going to be announced soon. You're going to hear who the winners are. So we just want to discuss who was nominated and who we think will come out with the win here. Case Cookis from Northern Arizona. Monmouth Jr. running back Pete Guerrero. North Dakota State freshman quarterback, redshirt freshman Trey Lance. And then also Sacramento State's Kevin Thompson. Now, all these guys really deserve to be here. The one surprise for not being on here is James Robinson, who had a stupid stat line in the playoffs, didn't have enough big games maybe that they chose to keep him off this, but still, we have a good list here. Sean, who do you think is going to be the winner? I mean, I think that Kevin Thompson played better with what he was given with Sac State. And he, but is going to go to Trey Lance because he's the quarterback of the best team in the country, and he's the quarterback of the best one of the best offenses in the country. Whereas Kevin Thompson, he's not in the playoffs anymore, but he was also I mean no one expected Sac State to be this good this year. No one did, and he led them into the playoffs, and he did his thing, and he was awesome all season. And he, it's going to go to Lance, but I think Thompson really made a good case for himself. Also, Cook has had a a stupid good year throwing the ball. He threw for over 4,000 yards, and he threw as many touchdowns as he did. But he was a good player on an average to below average team, so they didn't do much. Um, 
Cookus, though, you know, looked good, just not up to par. I think I completely agree with you. Trey Lance is going to win this award just because he's on the best team. He's the best player on the best team. And he's a freshman who's the best player on the best team. Well, Hodges won it, and he wasn't on the best team. No, but so I think I guess it's possible. if we're just talking about who has performed at – Yeah, that's true. There's a chance they might give it to Cookus because of that logic, because they gave it to Hodges last year who threw stupid numbers but wasn't on the even close to on the best team. Was it stupid? What? Nothing. The, no, uh, the stat lines that the both of them have were gaudy as hell. They were extremely gaudy. I and, hope they find the middle ground there between yeah. good team and gaudy numbers uh, and give it to Well, Thompson. if you wanted to go about the middle ground, you'd pick Guerrero or Thompson. Yeah. Would be the middle ground. But usually these awards are decided by writers who are deciding on it oh, for the most part. And usually they go with whoever's the biggest storyline. And whoever's been consistently in the storylines, throwing no picks for Trey Lance is just incredible for a guy that's starting in his first year. He acts like he's a senior. He looks like he's a senior. I, I think that if we were the best guess, like Joe Burrow won the Heisman because he had the biggest moments in the biggest games. Albeit some guys had some crazy stat lines next yeah. to him. Like the uh, Wisconsin running back. He didn't even make it in. No, but Jonathan Taylor a, looked great, but he he's still... Season. He didn't have any enough big moments to really get that award. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not fair. about who is the it's best fair. stats. It's whoever had the 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 biggest storylines and was the biggest guy to, to step up. So to cap things off, we're going to go to Kwame's Corner, which is our social media section. If you ever have any questions for us, feel free to send us throughout the week. We don't have to do our call for question. If you want to send us one, you can DM, DM us or tweet at us at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E. Also tweet at Sean at Sean Anderson 65. First question we have here from Nick Massaroni. What are you smiling at? <laughs> Did you see my new name? Would you change it again? Yeah. What'd you change it to? Go ahead, take a look. No, I don't want to look. I'll read Massaroni's while you, okay. while you All look. All right, read it. From Nick Massaroni. North Dakota State does not seem invincible after last week's game. What does this team have to do to have to do from a mental perspective to make sure that they are ready to play physically, play a physically mentally tough Montana State team? I think they already have the mental side of it. I think that last week it was a mental game. Being I hate you. <laughs> I you have to be mentally you. tough to win a nine to three football game. Can you I think do they Sean already have Chuck it. Chuck Anderson, like I'm sorry to, to derail us, Nick, but go look at Sean. Sean's Twitter name is now Chuck Anderson, and. To provide some context, Sean and I took a class that we should not have been taking that was a journalism, multimedia journalism class. And Sean doesn't know a thing about video. I know very little little about cameras. I know how to edit with Premiere. And we did a project because we were forced to do it on coastal resiliency on the oyster industry in Rhode Island. And Sean was adamant on me putting his name in the credits as Sean Shuck Anderson. I don't know why he's so enamored by it. It's a sick name, dude. <laughs> and I it doesn't it. make any sense, though. Because you, <laughs> you eat a few oysters and you think you're like this oyster king. I just... Oh, you're shucking them back home? Yeah, whatever. Yeah. You had your first oyster all of your entire life. Yeah, so? Like, like three weeks ago, <laughs> dude. Screw you. Your first oyster ever... And you've been living in Rhode Island, one of the okay, seafood so, capitals of the U.S.? What I think North Dakota State has to do years. to make sure they're prepared from a mental perspective. Go ahead. You take the question that you cut me off for. Go yeah. Ahead. yeah. Uh, um, 
I think they just need to keep doing what they're doing because defense is going to keep winning these games for them. It's going to be the deciding factor in if they win the national championship is their defense. They just need to be a little bit more consistent offensively and they just need to finish those drives because that's what kept them from... They, they should have had 21 points. They shouldn't have had nine. They just need to finish those drives off. They can't get stopped on third down. I agree with that. I agree. Nine points could have easily been... Well, let's just say 17. Two touchdowns in the field. Yeah, okay. To, to make it a little bit more, more realistic, that score doesn't look as favorable for you and I if it's 17-3. Right. But still, a 9-3 to three football game, you're already mentally tough enough to win one of those. Those are a tougher mental game than a 35-34 game. Adam Sabula is asking, what does Montana State have to do to upset the Bison? Well, if we're going off of what ISU did, what they did to work well was stopping them like we just talked about on third down in the red area. Ben, don't break. Let them kick field goals. But Montana State, you know, their whole offense needs to be more creative and balanced than ISU was. And I think that they'll be able to actually score some touchdowns in this game. There might actually be some points scored in this game because both these teams have some good offenses. I agree with Joe here. Uh, third down, I, I think Illinois State gave you, gave you the blueprints of how to keep their scoring low. And it's if you're in that red zone area, just have make them kick it. Find a way to make them kick it. And I, I don't know if that's full-on blitzes. I don't know if it's dropping eight. Just you got to figure it out. The coaches are going to have to read that game, and they're going to have to figure out the best way to, to limit their scoring because they're going to score. You're not going to get zero points from North Dakota State. It's never going to be a shutout with them. But you have to minimize it somehow. Kenneth Ritchie is asking, all the games this weekend were a battle with the defenses being showcased. Are we done seeing big offensive performances at this stage in the playoffs? I'm going to say no because – all these teams remaining have good offenses and good defenses. And so what that means is that we either we're going to get polar opposites. It's either going to be low scoring again for both of these for either of these games, or the converse is that the offenses are going to take over and it's going to be high scoring. So I wouldn't say all all four of these teams are good enough on, on both ends that one side could take over and dominate. And and I am confident that if one team starts to score and move the ball offensively, then in both of these matchups that the opposing offenses will be able to pick it up and be like, oh, all right, now we're going to get our offense going. And that will create a shootout in either of these matchups or in the national championship. Yeah, I don't see it being one of those – either of these games being turnover, turnover, score, score type. It's it's always back and forth. But I see it being efficiency from both teams. Either they're both – in both games, both the teams are going to be – incredibly defensively efficient or incredibly offensively efficient and you're just you're not going to see um a CAA game between Villanova and Towson where there are three turnovers in the span of three minutes and there are also two touchdowns in that same span so it's going to be it's going to be good football but I I I can't promise it's going to be like super exciting Mm -hmm. take the top off football our last question is from I think one of my favorite handles that I've seen this year and First time sending in a question to us. Thank you. Um, his handle is at Chew Breeze. I'm, I'm assuming Chew is his last name, so I, I love the handle. I'm That's just going to say that. 
I, I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, that's that's good. I don't I don't know if, if you agree with me, but I think that's a that's a creative. Handle. If I could have a Twitter um, suggestion for him, okay, for, instead it? of your handle, uh, just your name. I think it is uh, Chew with a little um, copyright C. Yeah. How about you go with Shuck? Thank you. If you can't tell, Sean is biased <laughs> about oysters, so he's going to suggest anyone. You know, no, send no, it, it would send, just. You know, no, no, I'm not call biased to towards oysters. I have a call to action. I'm biased to getting your goat. I have a call That's to action. Right. If you can come up with the with the worst oyster reference for a new Twitter handle for yourself, send it to uh, uh, Sean and I, and we'll talk about them on the next. I'll show. take. It. I'll take. That. <laughs> God, this stupidest call to action that we. <laughs> you, you should pitch to believe. To do the Sean Anderson, the, the Shuck Anderson Oyster Podcast on the Believe, oh, Pod, the Believe in Oysters Podcast. Oh, what am I going to talk about? All the different varieties. Yeah, it'll be like the, do you remember the um, the cutaway in Family Guy where, where Peter names all the hats that he knows? Yeah. Just be you <laughs> naming all the. Big oyster. <laughs> smaller oyster. Bumpy oyster. Bumpier oyster. I think that's all the oysters. <laughs> God, we're so stupid. So Chewbreeze wants to know, word on the street, is that North Dakota State and JMU were exposed this weekend. Thoughts? I'm going to say I don't think they were exposed. I think that they both played well, but I think that we now know that their defense is good enough. Hit the sneeze button. Oh, Sean's going to hold it. Oh, he held it. Did you try to mute yourself? Yeah, I I, 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 muted myself. It's going to get picked up regardless. I think that they weren't exposed, but I think we learned that their defense is good enough to take over a game if the offense is not carrying the weight. That that is exactly what we learned in both these games. I wouldn't say they were exposed either. I think they won tough football games in both of them. They both had moments where they were looking down the barrel, and said, "Oh, we got to do something here," and they both did it. So I don't think they were exposed. I think that they were resilient. Even I mean, obviously, close games. You can think that the best two teams look exposed, but at the same time, not really exposed. Yeah, I think that. One thing we also learned is that we, we should have more confidence in these teams because when, when it came to a tough game, their coaching and their talent was able to win them the game at the end of, end of, at the, end of the day. And that's just proof of a, a well-coached team, a, a, a team that makes the right decisions when the game's close, that they can come out with a victory. That's just very, very positive proof that they're prepared to compete. That's going to be it from us, folks. So, you know, thank you for listening. As always, be sure to follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon and also at Sean Anderson 65. From the My Baki Studios. The My Baki. Okay. <laughs> God. Second live read I've ever done in my life. So, you can go screw yourself. <laughs> Should I cut that? <laughs> no. Uh, also, follow Believe Podcasts on social media at BLEAV Podcasts. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. That is Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it. We are there. If we're not there, let us know. We'll make sure we are there. But I doubt that we aren't somewhere you can find a podcast. Also, be sure to check us out on Believe.com, spelled B-L-E-A-V.com, where they have a number of other wonderful and amazing shows. What do you got? I was going to say one of our new favorite shows that that we're going to be tuning into. 
Which one? The Slapdick Podcast. Oh, the Slapdick Podcast. Are we allowed to say that? I, I, I would say so. If he could name his show that, I mean... It, oh, my God. Hey, so- we are feverishly competing with him. He is now the top dog that we are coming after. Yeah, because, you know, we pride ourselves in being the biggest Slapdicks. So the fact <laughs> that... <laughs> the fact that someone's beating us out right now for being the biggest Slapdick... We haven't even gotten an invite on the show yet. I, I want to get on that Ron, show. Ron, what are we doing? I, I need to ask to get on that show. I will do anything to get on that show. He's been pumping out podcast episodes like no one's business. He's done three, and he's been a part of the network for two weeks. So just getting after it, he's been... He is the former coach of the uh, of the Netflix special, The Last Chance You... Uh, I'm forgetting his name. But still, he was a, he's a well-known person. He's a very interesting character. He doesn't care at all what you think, which makes it so much better. So I encourage you to go listen. Has to be one of the biggest gets for the um, for content that we've seen on Believe this year. And there's a there and that, that's competing with a ton of great talented people that are part of the network. I Taylor's part of the network. Yeah, now. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How He's dumb are we to with say that? that? <laughs> All right, that's gonna be it from us. Have a wonderful rest of your day. With the holidays just around the corner, now is the time to order holiday cards for family and friends. Only this year? Why not create custom holiday photo cards quickly, easily, and affordably at simplytoimpress.com. Simplytoimpress.com is your holiday photo card headquarters with thousands of unique Christmas cards and other designs to choose from. All you do is upload your family photos, personalize the text, and you're done. Simplytoimpress.com prints your cards on your choice of premium card stock in just a few days and rushes them straight to your door. Maybe that's why the New York Times wire cutter named Simply to Impress their favorite photo card service. They even offer foil cards and hundreds of great holiday card designs for your business, too. Place your order today to save 30% and get free shipping. Just enter promo code DEAL at checkout. Save big on holiday photo cards today using promo code DEAL at simplytoimpress.com. That's simplytoimpress.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.